Hey everybody, Brad Stevens here, founder and CEO of Outsource Access. We help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the Philippines. Congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 Real Leaders Impact Awards. We are proud to be among you. About 10 years ago, I woke up to a major growth problem in my last business. Cash was tight, staff was overwhelmed, and tasks were not getting done. Then I discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the Philippines where English is their second language, so there is no communication or culture gap. I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50,000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit RedefineScale.com. That's RedefineScale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, she sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity. And now we support thousands of families and the environment with United Nations SDG projects. I'm proud we've grown with impact. To learn more, visit RedefineScale.com. Imagine this January 1st, 2024, and you're the reason your organization is being ranked as a fastest growing impact company in Releaders Magazine. Hi, I'm Kevin Edwards, General Manager at Releaders and host of the Top 100 U.S. Business News Podcast, The Releaders Podcast. And I've conducted more interviews with impact CEOs alone this year than anyone else on earth because I believe in these people and I know how difficult it is for their companies to take on massive corporations with unlimited marketing budgets. So here's what we did with the impact awards. We have leveled the playing field with a ranking that measures by merit, not mass. So if that's you, if that's your company, if you apply, you'll receive exposure in Readers Magazine, tons of collaboration opportunities with the top impact brands on the list, and not to mention employee engagement opportunities to help with retention, productivity, and recruitment strategies throughout the rest of the year. Now, right now, I just got the list. Applications are already up 56% at this time last year, and over half of the applicants were certified B Corps. So make sure to apply before your competition does and before time runs out. The application's simple. It only takes a few minutes. And if you apply today, I'll also toss in a free magazine shipped directly to your office. And I'll also invite your CEO to make a personal appearance on my Top 100 U.S. Business News podcast, which will be streamed live to LinkedIn. Now, the late fee will be $595, so be sure to apply at realtors.com before 831. That's it for me. Now let's get to the show. Seven, six, five, four. Three, two, and one. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. 
I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. And joining us today, folks, we've got the CEO of Ivy Farm. Please give a warm welcome to Mr. Rich. Dylan Rich, my man, how are you doing today? Great, Kevin. Thanks for inviting me on. How are you doing? I'm doing swell, sir. Doing very swell. Really looking forward to the conversation today because I think you have such a unique product. And I think even in our pre-interview Monday, I just assumed it was plant-based meat in that call. And you reassured me, no, we've got some pretty cool technology. We're taking stem cells. We're actually growing actual meat for meat eaters like you and me, Kevin. So I was blown away. I'm really, really looking forward to diving into this topic today. But we're going to do something a little bit different today, folks. We're going to start at the end and work our way backwards. So I will start with the last question, Rich, and that is, what is your definition of a real leader? Well, thanks, Kevin. It's great to be on the show. Um, You're mixing it up and going backwards. I love this. Listen, (laughs) I think that um, it's a good question. You know, what is real leadership? I think, you know, a real leader challenges the status quo and paints a picture of a better future. And then more importantly, probably, is motivates a group to then innovate and drive action towards that future, which ultimately I think achieves something better than what we've got today. So, you know, when, as I've been listening to your podcasts and I heard this question that you keep asking your guests, you know, in my eyes, I was like, well, well, this is, this is Ivy Farm, right? This is the company that I'm, you know, kind of proudly leading and wor- working for. We're challenging the status quo. Um, We make cultivated meat, um, which is revolutionary to the way that animals are farmed today, to the way meat is created today. You know, we have a a bit of a broken system, a a grim animal food system that is the second biggest contributor to greenhouse gases and the largest contributor terms of sector to deforestation and fresh water pollution. And so our business model is about challenging that status quo and then painting a better picture um, of the future. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into it, but you know, there's a, there's a picture behind me here. Let me move out of the way, see if it zooms in. What you're seeing behind me is our pilot plant here in Oxford in the UK. And it kind of looks like a brewery, right? Kevin, you've been in you've been in a few craft breweries, I guess, <laughs> in your time. How'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> but we're not brewing beer. We're brewing meat, pure muscle, pure fat. And if we can make this thing scale, uh, and when we make this thing scale, um, it will produce meat with up to 90% more efficiency, you know, less greenhouse gases, more sustainable than, you know, beef farming is, is current. And ultimately, that, that, that's my goal, right? I'm, I'm working with um, internal employees, external suppliers, partners, NGO, governments, you know, for regulation to motivate uh, and generate um, action towards that better future. And um, yeah, hopefully we can achieve something better. So that's what I think real leadership is, Kevin, and I was really excited to talk about that and frame it in terms of Ivy Farm. I love that. And it's like bringing the future to the present. 
you know, and that's a great trait of leadership and, and, and keeping on the theme of starting at the end, working our way backwards. It's like you've really reverse engineered a solution to a very existential problem. What maybe woke you up to this big problem and inspired this uh, solution in the first place? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was a a meat-loving consumer for years and years and years, and I still am. Um, there's a lot of great vegan and plant-based alternatives out there, Kevin, but I grew up eating, you know, bacon sandwiches and hamburgers and hot dogs, and so I've got the taste for it. I, I you know, I love it. Um, what opened my eyes to um, how destructive current animal farming is actually was my son. Um, I've got three kids, um, a 10 year old boy, a six year old boy and a four year old girl. And they're amazing. My oldest, Jamie, he was doing a, a module at school. And he's at a brilliant school where they do these kind of immersion uh, modules and, and work with their classmates and their teachers to do a, a whole kind of 360 learning on a topic. And it was sustainability. And they touched on the food system. And I remember distinctly, you know, I was in my kitchen and um, my son kind of indirectly asked me, what am I doing? And what's mommy doing to kind of help leave the world in a better place? for his generation and future generation. And it was a kind of moment of, wow, um, you know, my, my business career has been, I've been super lucky to work with great brands, great companies with great products, like to Procter & Gamble, Red Bull Energy Drink, um, craft beer company called Lagunitas in the US, which was- Petaluma, uh, California. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, best IPA in the world. And, and it got acquired by Heineken, which is another amazing beer uh, out of Holland. And, you know, I'm very proud to work for those companies, amazing brands, got a passion for business. But um, when, my, when my kid was kind of asking me the question about what are you doing to really leave the world in a better place, I had to think, you know, going forward, could I put those business skills to, to potentially better use and help to solve you know, some of the bigger questions. And so, I would, you know, I was lucky enough to get approached by Ivy Farm to join their board um, when it was pretty young and then help them drive their commercial strategy. And then eventually um, I was asked to become CEO. And I just dived down that rabbit hole, Kevin, of understanding not only how destructive parent animal agriculture is, 80 billion animals being slaughtered every year, and around two trillion fish every year, unsustainable, and takes a big toll on the world's resources. Once you go down that rabbit hole, it's tough to turn it off. It's tough to unsee it. And so to then be able to, you know, lead a company that's trying to change that and be on the forefront of, you know, revolutionary innovation is is pretty cool. Um, so that that's kind of how I got into it. I have to say, well, my son Jamie was a big part of it. I love it. it's all for the kids, right? The next generation, yeah. <laughs> leaving things far better than you found it. Um, what were some of the things like from that experience with all those big brands that uh, you want to make sure you did day one 
um, with IV Farms? What did you have a set strategy? What was kind of the your philosophy when you came into the the helm? Well, I mean, the founding story is fantastic, Evan. Um, it was founded by a two two co-founders. One was or is a professor at Oxford University, uh, Dr. Kathy Yee. And um, she is associate professor in the bioengineering department at Oxford, brilliant minds. So has all of the, the kind of skills and the knowledge to really help uh, bring the tech in this area. Um, Dr. Russ Tucker, who did his PhD at Oxford, and I think Kathy was his examiner in one of the, the years, his first year, I think. Um, he went on after uh, his PhD to actually do some consulting for large supermarket chains or, or grocery chains, uh, as you call it, uh, not only in the UK, but in, in a couple of other countries. And he worked on the sourcing of uh, fresh food, including meat. And what he found, you know, he went down that rabbit hole of, wow, this is not only destructive and unsustainable, but it's a real fragile food system. Um, you know, for example, in the UK, oh, do you remember a time? Do you remember a, a time when there was um, the mad cow disease? No, swine flu is the yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay, so in the UK, we had this thing called mad cow. The swine flu. There's now an outbreak of avian flu mm. in multiple countries around the world. And then you have, you know, you have COVID, which was essentially a um, you know passed down from the animal food chain. Uh, over to humans, right? Um, and so he saw that firsthand that it's so fragile and actually the traceability back into animal agriculture, you don't really know what you're eating. We had a scandal in the UK called horse gate, like horse, like the, the, the animal, right. where there was horse meat being put into ready meals and being put into mm. products where we thought it was beef or we thought it was pork. And it was actually horse, horse meat. Great, crazy. Big, big scandal in the UK. And again, that traceability, what were the animals eating? Were they healthy? Did they have antibiotics? You don't know, right? When you go to a restaurant or even when you pick up a supermarket, you know, uh, a, a pack of meat. So he was motivated by this. Um, went back to Oxford University, got together with Kathy. You know, they brought the passion and the tech and spun out just as COVID hit. Um, but they managed to build up a fantastic team of about 15 scientists at the time in 2020. And then in 2021, I was asked to join the board and help kind of commercialize the, the great tech that we were building um, and, you know, build on the science. And then a bit later, asked to, to kind of run it as CEO. So I didn't bring any of the science. You know, your question was, what did you bring? I didn't bring any of the science. I'm, I'm the stupidest person in the room in this in this company in this building. Um, I'm just you know the one that asks the questions around can this scale up? How quickly can we do this? What is a way of bringing down the cost so it's commercially viable? Um, and you know driving the the kind of financials and the, the fundraising possible. So. I'm really happy that my skill set can complement all the brilliant engineers and scientists of the, the company. Interesting. Um, yeah, and I didn't think about that from like a, a systems perspective. Um, you know, being really dependent on supply chains that are, of course, very much exposed 
during COVID. Um, but interesting point in like surrounding yourself around like people who are smarter than you and just asking the right questions. What's the question, like the most important question you're asking yourself in terms of how to grow the company? Is there a question that pops in your head like, hey, this is the question I'm constantly asking myself uh, in order to achieve that growth, that skill that you want? As CEO, Kevin, I think always the question is, where do I find the next wave of brilliant talent? Because we're trying to do something here that's never been done. Let, let me explain the process a little bit. Then I'll, I'll come back to people. So we're not plant-based. We're not trying to make a mimic of meat. We're taking stem cells from animals. So we started with pork, we've now got beef, uh, we've done chicken. Um, we're trying to be multi-species and build the technology as a platform uh, and doing a great job right now. So let's say we, we take a small uh, sample from a, uh, a cow. We've got Aberdeen Angus, we've got Wagyu uh, beef, beef in house, for example. You only need about um, one centimeter cubed. Uh, about the size of a plane dies. We take a sample of pure muscle and of pure fat from an animal. And there are about over 60 million cells in that small sample. And we're looking for the 0.001% of cells which we can work with, train, and convince to grow outside of the animal. So to basically put into tanks like you see behind me, small, small uh, brewing tanks, and keep replicating themselves, be comfortable enough to keep essentially growing. And that's what cells do. It's the most natural process in the world. They replicate. And so our technology can not only identify, but then convince the cells to just keep, to keep growing. Hmm. Um, but it's never really been done. The only other industry that grows mammalian cells at any kind of scale is the pharmaceutical industry, making the likes of antibodies from, from Cho cells, Chinese, hamster ovaries. Um, but they don't need to grow at a at massive scale because they're making vaccines, right? And they don't need to worry about cost because pharmaceutical companies charge a fortune for, you know, for their product and, and will we'll happily pay as consumers. So we're taking something that has only been done at small scale and at high cost and trying to scale it up because, you know, meat is one of the biggest uh, sectors in terms of consumer goods in the world. It's over, you know, $1.3 trillion in sales. To put it in context, I was in the beer industry before, which is, you know, less than half the size. So we need to, if we're going to make an impact, we've got to do this at real scale. Also, to get the costs down, we need to do it at scale. And we need to completely revolutionize the supply chain of all of the ingredients that we need to feed those cells. So once the cells go into a tank, they're kind of swimming, floating around in a nutrient-rich broth we call it media and it's got all of the amino acids and the starches and the sugars and the lipids that essentially our you know mammals bodies break down from the food to feed the cells in their bodies which replicate and and grow 
and we need to feed them all that. And, and right now there's, there's no you know, large scale, low cost food grade um, supply chain for that. So we're trying to, what I'm trying to say, Kevin, is we're trying to solve a lot of big problems here. And so how do we do that? We do it with the best minds. We do it with the best talent, the best engineers, and the best problem solvers. Sure. So when you ask me what's the one thing, what's the one big question, it's, um, it's less about what are, how do I solve this problem? It's who do I need to get in with the expertise and the ingenuity to solve this problem and the next one that we're going to have to work. And thinking about, you know, scale and how you're going to bring this to market, like, you know, if you were to go back, you know, just to, I guess, start uh, the energy grid from scratch today, you probably wouldn't have these big plants that it's like a centralized source of energy. You probably have like a very decentralized source of energy where people can take power of their own. Like, are you planning to take this to restaurants or are you trying to take this to like a central location and produce it at scale and then distribute it out? Like, what is what? How is Ivy Farm thinking about um, taking this at scale to make the impact that you want? Mm, okay, well, it's an interesting question, an interesting bridge to the likes of energy. Um, let, let's take a step back. Um, meat is one of the biggest success stories of any consumer goods sector in the world. It's just been growing since the, you know, the, the 1940s and then booming year after year globally, um, growth, 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 up to now, I think 360 million tons of meat is consumable. Let me put that into context, Kevin. The average American the average American is eating about uh, uh, 120 kilos of, of meat a person per year. Um, in Europe, in the UK, it's about 80. So not quite as much as the US. <laughs> Shocking. Um, in, <laughs> in China, it's down around 50. Uh, in India, it's, it's down around 20. Uh, and you, I'm, I'm kind of giving you these numbers because as you know, the likes of China, as the middle class starts to really boom, and even in India and other emerging you know, markets, um, they, they're following the same path as the West. They're wanting more nutritious products, including meat. It's not only a, a source of, of nutritious input, but it's also a bit of a status symbol. So meat is only going one way, I think, the need for meat long term. Um, so... Again, let me, put it, let me put it this way. Meat is so enormous that we, I don't think there's, there's a, um, a future where we can decentralize the production of it into your house or into restaurants. It's a bit like craft beer. Craft beer, it, it kind of looks big, but the vast majority of beer is made in, in, in large central breweries that you don't really see, consumers don't see. Right. And it's because they can get the efficiencies, the economies of scale, and, and, and get the, uh, you know, the, the, the mass produced. And I think that's the way that um, cultivated meat will have to go, just like errant farming, to be honest. You know, the majority of animal agriculture is industrially, you know, the majority of meat is industrially farmed. Huge, great, potentially indoor, but... Um, you know, massive lots of, of chickens or, or pigs or cows. 
um, it's not all McDonald had a farm. They're not ro roaming around, you know, the meadow and, and dropping dead of old age. This is like, you know, a, a, a factory. Um, and they're doing it because of the, the efficiencies needed to get the cost down. And, it, and I, th I think it's going to be the same for cultivating. It's just we can do it with a much lower footprint, about 90% less um, land use, 90% less greenhouse gases, and um, significantly less you know, water use than, than traditional, you know, let's say beef farming, industrial beef farming. So um, the future I see is large, you know, kind of brewery, you know, meat breweries, um, which I think serve cities. They can be, they can be um, built a little bit closer to cities, you know, um, they take up less land, they're less intrusive, they're less smelly. And so I think we'll have them a bit closer to where the consumption happens. Hmm. But I don't think in my lifetime we'll see, you know, the, the kind of countertop, you know, me, uh, cultivated meat machine. Hmm. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a different uh, vision out there. Maybe the tech develops faster than I think. But right now I would see it being you know, a series of larger factories um, based around urban cultivation. Well, Rich, thank you so much for your time today here on the Realtors Podcast. You know, we started with the what, what's your definition of a realtor? You talked a lot about the how, how the product is actually made, how you get it done, how you're going to take it to scale. Let's, again, keep it in the fashion of uh, reverse engineering. Let's end with the why, and I'll ask you this question. Why does Ivy Farm exist? Yeah, so the why is is pretty simple. Um, we would we want to make the best uh, guilt-free meat, and what I mean by guilt-free is, you know, guilt comes from I think a few areas. Number one is is it sustainable? Is what I'm eating really sustainable for the planet? Number two, um, animal welfare. You know, are the animals that I'm eating, have they had a good life? Number number three, uh, is it is it good for human health? And no matter which one as a consumer or that you, you, you're kind of trying to um, trying to attack, cultivated meat uh, is better on all three metrics. And so for me, if I can be a part of a company that produces meat in a much more sustainable way, enables me to feel a bit better and less guilty about the meat I eat. And hopefully you, Kevin, at some point, then, um, yeah, then that's the why for me. And, uh, I'll, be, I'll be happy to make just a small bit of difference. Magnificent. Rich, thank you so much for your time on the Religious Podcast. For Rich Dillon, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, bring the future to the present, and always keep it up. Keep it real. Thank you, Rich. Hey, Relators, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all 
the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to realtors.com today, you're going to get the first 30 days for free where you're going to be able to access all of our magazines, courses, and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.